The following podcast is from Doxa Church in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org. My name is Dale Miller. I'm one of the elders here uh, at Doxa Church, so if you're new here, I just want to introduce myself. And also, every time that uh, we wear a mic, we feel like we have to kind of explain it. We feel silly, but I don't know why. I mean, all of us, most of us are wearing silly sweaters today, so we shouldn't really feel too silly this morning. But we wear a mic so we can record um, uh, the sermon so those who are serving in Docs of Kids or a nursery or the band that goes back and plays and helps back there, they can, they can listen to it. Um, and uh, I don't know, we might have a huge podcast following too, I'm not sure, but uh, that's our reason for sure. Um, but welcome. Uh, I have a story behind my sweater, so I've got to share a little bit uh, for our holidays and see some nice ones over here. That's a very manly sweater you got there, Dave. Um, that's very nice, very nice. He was in the, he would, he would have might have won the gift, but, but John, John got the gift. He was early bird, so he got the gift. Uh, but anyway, my sweater does have a back, uh, background. I mean, nothing says the holidays like a moose to me because um, we're, one of our traditions as a family, we get together. I have a big family, uh, four older sisters. Uh, we always watch Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase. And so that's just that movie in itself. And this was actually a gift in my house. So I uh, just want to let you know, sometimes, sometimes it is best to receive a uh, gift card instead of a gift from my family, just to let you know. So, uh, um, Keetra, I, I asked if, yeah, I thought, I said, could we pull it off and serve communion out of this this morning? But Keetra said, no way, we, we can't do that. That's, that's over the top. Um, but uh, there's no way I can drink from this. Oh, yeah, that's thank you, thank you. Well, I might be able to drink from it then. It's a little table. But uh, we are in the heart of the Christmas season. Um, we talked about in the intro about the shopping night that we're going to have for, for here at River Oaks next Friday night. And uh, so we're really in the heart of that, this, this shopping frenzy. And so I want to kind of open up with that, the shopping frenzy that we're in. And we're being bombarded by, uh, if we're on the radio, if it's the radio, the TV, billboards everywhere about finding the perfect gift. You know, it's, apparently it's at Jared. Uh, apparently, it has to do with a Mercedes with a bow on it. I mean, it's out there. I mean, you cannot miss uh, what uh, the retailers and everything it's pushing us to. And uh, I hope that whatever sweater some of you guys are wearing, that wasn't the perfect gift that somebody gave you. Uh, in your family, you might, need a, you might need a gift card as well, like my family. Um, but when it comes to shopping, I, I really I f- I fit the, the kind of stereotypical dude. You know, I want to get in and get out. Uh, for me particularly, it's always the clearance rack. So if you know me, I'm always at the clearance rack. I'm not getting anything full price. There's no way for me. Um, but Keetra, you know, when it comes to, to shopping, not that she likes the, uh, you know, the most expensive stuff, but the get in, get out part, you know, me, I'm like, it's a mission. You know, I get in, I find it, it registers that way, we're going. And Keetra, on the other hand, it's, it's a diff- different story. It's an event. The shopping thing's a whole big deal. We were brave enough to uh, go out at 6 o'clock at Walmart on Black Friday um, so we experienced that joy of the Christmas season, um, and so we were kind of brave there. But, but Keetra, she'll get in, and we'll, we'll be looking for something for somebody, and she'll find it, right? We'll find it. I'm like, okay, the next stop is the register. But she keeps looking. I'm like, but we found something, and the register's that way. It's time to go now. But she, she's going to keep looking because it might be something more perfect her, I guess, if that's even a word. But she's trying to find the perfect gift. Um, the perfect gift, uh, as I keep rolling with this, uh, 
it's reared its ugly head for us trying to find it for, uh, as we try to help Santa Claus out with our three kids. We have three, three children, a six-year-old, a three-year-old, and a 10-month-old. And so um, we, uh, there's one of them, uh, the Goss families. So, Jailbreak. Yeah. I thought they were locked down back there. I'm like calling security in the back. Hey, there's a kid loose. There's a kid loose. But anyway, finding this, this is Christmas season. We're trying to find the, uh, the gifts for our kids. And so, so our children are the same age. So that was Landon, Randy's uh, three-year-old son. I have a three-year-old. I have a three-year-old, this uh, a boy, J.D., and we have two older children, uh, girls, uh, six years old. And um, so when it came to, to Christmas this year, um, how it rolls in, in, the, in the Miller home is usually Santa brings three main gifts, representative of the gifts of the wise men, bringing the, the frankincense, the gold, and the myrrh. That rolls that, and then they get one gift from mom and dad. And usually Santa brings one big gift, you know, just one main gift, and then all the other gifts are kind of little small gifts. Might tie into the big gift. Well, uh, due to some pressure from the Golf family, the Miller family had to step up this Christmas, and now basically our oldest is, I would consider getting two main gifts. Uh, because honestly, if Randy was here speaking this morning, he would say it was because of me and probably or the Miller family, and, and he'd probably be right. We, we, didn't, we didn't plan this year like we should have. Now that we have this new relationship, church family, kids are really close. We, we came in unprepared this Christmas season. We didn't talk beforehand, what's your kid getting versus what's your kid getting? And so now we were getting opposite ends of the spectrum. So they, they got to play together. So we had to end up getting something else, and so did they. So uh, they got me this year. I'll be, I'll be on my P's and Q's for next year. Not to let that happen. But uh, with all this perfect gift stuff, I started thinking, you know, about me per- personally, about, you know, my childhood and getting the perfect gift and what that meant and that feeling on Christmas morning. And so I started uh, thinking about it, and I, I was like, quickly, I was like, oh, yes, I know which, I know which ones they were. And uh, luckily... Um, the Miller family, when we grew up, my mom's here, we, we didn't take a lot of photos. We had the Polaroid camera, so it only came out at Christmas and maybe a birthday. So I actually found some, and if Hudson, I think you can cue some up, I found some of my, my top three Christmas gifts when I was a child. And so this is, number, this is number three. I'm going in order from the third place to first place. This is number three. This is my Ford tractor. I still got it. It's still in the garage. I ride it on occasions, uh, but uh, I still have it. And J.D. hopefully is going to be... Uh, 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 going on it, uh, the Ford tractor. Are you a Ford guy or are you a Chevy guy? See, it's, it's amazing what God has done in this church. From he's a Coke guy, I'm a Pepsi guy. He's a Clemson guy, I'm a Carolina guy. He's a Chevy guy, I'm a Ford guy. So it shows you the gospel can reach across all kind of barriers. Just right here, just up front. Um, so that's third place. Second place. So we got second place. Okay, that's my horse. I don't know if you can see it. I can still remember the sound the spring is going back and forth. And I can't tell you how many trips I rode to the mill. I don't ask, well, where are we going? Ride, ride the horsey to the mill. That's all I did. That's what was our saying. I can hear the sound. I mean, I got good at it. The nose would hit the floor and the tail would hit the back. I mean, I was riding it probably until I was like 12 or so. Um, and so <laughs> that was, well, oh, that, the, the horsey was probably four, three or four. Uh, I know the picture before had a date on it. It was when I was three when I got the tractor. So... We've already seen the first place. Go ahead and show it again. Go ahead and show it again. Number one by far. It is by far. So when I was thinking about gifts, I mean, it is so far in first place. It's like here. Second place is like to the wall. I mean, I was, I was five years old. 
just turned five in November. That was my Christmas right after my birthday. And uh, it was my Honda 50R. And I, I mean, it was like, this is it. I have my own motorcycle, got my wheels, got my helmet. I mean, look how cool I look. I mean, I was only five. And, and, and I'm, a, you know, I'm a little dude. I was a little dude then. And so this is, Randy's talked about growing up in the country. We just do things different. So I grew up out in the country as well. So I couldn't get on it by myself. I couldn't crank it by myself. And I couldn't stop it by myself. So the family, they would crank it for me, set me on it, and I'd ride around the house, ride through the field, ride around the house. And so when I wanted to get off, I'd start making laps. Just start yelling, get me off. Just keep yelling. One of the four sisters, hopefully they would come get me. Because, I mean, I wasn't stopping that thing by myself because it was just straight over on my side. So by far, that was gift number one, and, and, um, and, I, and I loved it. It brought me a lot of joy. Um, so speaking of that and getting into this, just the whole gift thing, I, I mean, to me, I didn't plan on spending this much time in the intro about gifts. It's so easy to get wrapped up into this season. If it's the gifts that we're going to give, if it's the meals that we're going to have with families, it's, it's basically we get intoxicated by the materialism of and the festivities around Christmas. And so that's why I'm very thankful, particularly, that Doxa Church has decided, this is our first Christmas together as a church, and we decided we are going to celebrate Advent. We're going to spend four weeks to pause and focus on the coming of Christ and also looking for his return. And so there's no, there's no biblical mandate to, to celebrate Advent. Some churches, you know, they're just rolling on their same deal. But I think particularly for us, from what we are bombarded with, with culture every day, it's good to be able to come in here on a Sunday and to be able to just hit the pause button and reflect on Jesus Christ's coming and is also his future return. And so we're, if you're a guest here this morning, we're not just doing this on Sunday mornings. We're rolling through a devotional called The Good News of Great Joy. Um, and we send that out. It's a free book. And it's electronically. Um, if you're interested in it, if you can sign up on the city and afterwards, we can email you a copy of that. Um, so I'm thankful for that, that we're really doing this Advent season together as a, as a church. Let me get another sip of my drink here. Yes. Can't do anymore. Let's just switch over. All right, so uh, when, and, when then the next point is that, you know, really when it comes to gifts, we're, we're, gifts, we're all competing for second place. You know, no matter how good you are at shopping and you can keep finding that perfect gift for the person, we're all competing for second place. Because James 1, 16 and 17 tells us this. It says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So God has given us many gifts, right? I mean, if it's from our family, if it's from our life that we have, it's from uh, the purpose that we feel God's called us to, but there is no doubt who God's perfect gift was. Right? Just like my Honda 50R was way over here in first place and everything was a far distance, there's no doubt what is in first place when it comes to God's perfect gift to us, and that is Jesus Christ. Charles opened us up with uh, John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So of all things that God has given us, just to recap, there's no, we, we cannot debate this, we have to see that in first place is Jesus Christ himself. God the Father gave the Son to the world, and Jesus gave his life as a ransom for many. 
In Jesus, we have forgiveness. In Jesus, we have reconciliation. In Jesus, we have eternal life. And in Jesus, we have an identity based on his righteousness rather than our own sinful nature. So this morning, um, my, my goal for us is, as we continue this morning in, in studying the word is to actually examine this perfect gift and really look at it from two different angles. The first angle being, uh, how is Jesus the perfect gift? And the, and the second angle is, why is Jesus the perfect gift? So when I talk about the how part, that's when we go through first. I'm talking about the actual, the, the miraculous conception, how he was brought to life in the virgin birth itself. So Jesus' birth was foretold, it was predicted, it was recorded hundreds of years before that historic night that we sing about in Bethlehem. And this, is, this occurred, basically one of the prophecies we were talking about occurred 700 years before Jesus was born. So the Old Testament, it does, it, it records several key events surrounding the birth of Christ. Um, the first one, uh, it starts way back in, really, um, one of the first ones starts way back in Genesis, uh, chapter 12, verse 3. It tells us there that Jesus will be a descendant of Abraham. And then we also see in Genesis 17, 19, that Jesus will be a descendant of Isaac and Jacob. And then we talked about Bethlehem earlier in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It tells us that Jesus will be born in the small little town on the outskirts of Jerusalem called Bethlehem. We see, we learn from, from Genesis that, that Jesus will be from the tribe of Judah. We learn also that he, and from Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5, that he would come from the, the line of King David. And so, but the most particular prophecy of all when it comes to Jesus' birth is, is pretty popular. It comes on, we see it all the time in this season, if it's on letters or whatnot, um, but we see it a lot. And so it's really talking about Jesus being born of a virgin. So let us look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. So right now, just going ahead and put it out front, there's a lot of scrutiny over this verse, and really one particular word in this verse. So it's, it's the word virgin. So those outside the faith highly scrutinize it, um, and sadly, uh, those within the faith, a lot of people debate it. So right now, uh, if, you, if you flip past the History Channel, there's actually a little a snippet about the Bible and stuff about the Bible and translations, and there's actually a commercial that says that, and th- that, that this is a mistranslation of the Hebrew when, when the Bible was written, that it's not really saying virgin there. It's another word in Hebrew. It really just means young lady, uh, a young woman. Um, but the neat thing, once you start digging into it, and that was talking about the Hebrew, when, uh, when I did my research, it looked at when, when the Bible was translated into Greek by 70 rabbis, as the tradition says, the word they used there was parathenos, which means virgin. There's no doubt that how they saw, and this, was, this, occurred, this translation occurred 70 years before Christ was born. So it was before any kind of Christian agenda to change up words and make sure stuff fits into the story. These 
Greek rabbi, these, these Jewish rabbis, when they translated it into Greek, chose the word parathenos, which means little virgin. And actually, you know, you think about this, and you, even when I see that commercial on TV, it makes me stop and think and say, okay, well, what's going on here? Um, and, and, and sadly, uh, there, the, there's a lot of people that, that hold on to that and really are, are caught up on it. But, but this morning, what I want to do for us is not just look at that one v- word. Let's look at the Bible itself, because that's one of the, the keys that we have when we, we start to study the Bible. The Bible is one story. From Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation is one story. It's written in 66 books. It's written by over 40 authors over a span of 1,500 years and, and written on three different continents. But ultimately, the Bible is one story. And so you have to, the, the principle in that is that when you come to a, a, a scripture, you have to use the Bible to translate the Bible. Scripture interpretates Scripture. If you just take one verse by yourself over here and, and you don't put it into context of the whole Bible, you can go down the wrong path so easily. So let us um, take some time now to look at two independent stories but complementary stories uh, about this virgin birth. If you would turn with me, we'll start in uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there will, no, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. So we look at this particular text, and we're looking at this story. We're going to focus on Mary a little bit here. And so we see from this story, what does, how is Mary identified right out the gate? She is identified in verse 27 as a virgin. But what really blows me away, the evidence that really blows me away here uh, when it comes to the virgin birth and this, this miraculous conception is, is actually Mary's response to the angel. And she's, he tells her this news. He tells her, and meanwhile, you think about it in context, Mary's probably 13, 14 years old. She's betrothed, which means she's in a, an engagement. It's, it's more binding than our modern-day engagement. It was basically they were married, but there was no, there was no consummation of the marriage. There was a time part they didn't live together. Um, but as we see when we go to Matthew, it required a divorce to get out of that, uh, that marriage, per se, this betrothal. And so, so this angel comes to her and, and gives her these, this news, and, 
And she's stepped back, and, and verse 34 is where her response is. She says, how will this be since I'm a virgin? So there's no doubt that Mary doesn't understand how this is going to come about. How, how am I going to be pregnant with a child and, and, his, and, and call him his name Jesus? How, how's that going to happen? And so the angel responds, and he answers her questions, and her, her, her questions with the fact that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy and the Son, the Son of God. So let's look. So we've got Mary, uh, her story. So there was more than just Mary in, this, in this, uh, this relationship, right? We've already talked about Joseph a little bit. So actually, if you want to see Joseph's perspective on what's going on, we'll turn to Matthew. So if you turn back over to Matthew chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her, and her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph Son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So we see in, in Matthew's actual recording, he directly links this virgin birth to the prophecy we talked about at the beginning in Isaiah. So he makes a direct link. And Luke, it's just, you can really draw the conclusion there because he's talking about the virgin birth and, and whatnot. But here, there's no doubt that when Matthew was recording it, he saw Isaiah 7.14 as, as being fulfilled here in this situation. And then let's look at, look at um, Joseph's initial response. You know, I think that's important, too. We look at Joseph, and we talked about Mary's initial response. And so what does Joseph think? He, he's like, well, he's going to put, he, he doesn't want to, but he's, it says that he's, he looks to, to quietly divorce her. And so in the context of what was going on back, back then, I mean, Mary could be stoned and killed for, for the act that she would be accused of, of, of having sexual relationships outside the marriage covenant. And so this was a big deal here. And so he, he wanted to protect Mary, so he wanted to do it quietly. But what do we see? We see the angel of the Lord comes to him and tells him the same thing, that this, will come, this is from the Holy Spirit. Do not fear to take her as your wife. And let's go back to Luke. So we've got, we've got Mary's, Mary's response uh, to this miraculous conception. We've got Joseph's response. And, and Randy hit it a little bit last week, um, but I want to continue on. Let's look, at Mary, uh, let's look at Mary's aunt. Let's look at Elizabeth. And that's in Luke. Go back to Luke chapter 1. 
I'm going to pick up in, in 35 or 36 is where we left off, just to read the full text. It says, And behold, your, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed her. Just want a quick note, just to see what amazes me and Joseph and his faith and of, of, of not divorcing Mary and, and taking her as his wife, and then also Mary's faith and her obedience to, to go forward to, to, to have this response. And behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. There's no, there's no doubt that there was looks, there was issues within their little town of Nazareth. What is going on? What happened here? What's going on? And, and outside of all that, all that pressure from the world, they were going to be faithful to the message that God gave to them. So picking up in 39, it says, In those days Mary arose and went to, with, with haste into the hill country to a town of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when, I, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. So do you see Elizabeth's reaction to the presence of Mary being there with her? Just the voice, just hearing it. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. The child moved, his older cousin, John. And we see her, her reaction, what she says. She says, and why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord shall come to me? There's no doubt that Elizabeth knew the divine origin of the baby in Mary's womb. And so as we, we look at the birth, so we, we've looked at the birth itself or the conception, and now we're going to actually look at the physical, physical birth. It's just in Luke. We'll just hit it really quick. In Luke chapter 2, we'll do 1 through 7. We'll read those verses. It says, in those days, a decree went out from the Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This is the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was, the, he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to a firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and lied, laid him in a manger because there was no place for him, for them in the end. And so while the, while the conception of Jesus was truly a miracle, his birth was natural. His birth was, was just as natural as any other birth. There was blood, it was painful. And he was born, what we see here is that he was born into poverty. His first crib was a trough that they used to feed animals out of. This is, we're talking about God on high, holy in majesty, in heaven, 
coming down to be born in that kind of situation. That itself should awe us. That itself should step us back that he, God didn't send somebody else to do his work, as we often see in our context. The big guy, he's not coming down to the meeting. He's going to send somebody. But it's God himself came down. And so as we can see now, just as I hope, as we walk through these scriptures, we started in Isaiah and we looked at Luke and we looked at Matthew, I hope you can see that the review of scriptures itself, it's clear that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and he was born of the Virgin. So, okay, so we know that if you're on the same page with me, we know this truth. This is what the Bible teaches. This is the doctrine of the Bible that Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. But why? Why, 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 is, that, why is that necessary? That's the next phase I'm going to walk through. So we, we just finished up part one, how is Jesus the perfect gift? We're going to go to part two, why is Jesus the perfect gift? The birth of Jesus is often presented as, as if Jesus was born just to be merely gazed upon, just to be stand outside the manger scene and you be there and just look upon Jesus. I mean, that's how it's so presented uh, often. But the virgin birth is, is, is not just a random miracle story either, like it's just, just thrown in there. Uh, this is how it happened. Um, what I want to do now is show you the background, why I think uh, Scripture is so beautiful when I study it that everything is connected together. Um, and so it wasn't a random miracle. There, in, in a side note, there's no random miracles. You know, from, from the beginning of creation uh, to the seas parting to allow the Israelites to escape uh, from Egypt, or if it's how, how God provided for the Israelites while they wandered in the 40 years, if it was man in the day, if it was the, the pillar of fire at night. Or if you look at Jesus himself, the miracles that he, cre- that he did, if it was healing the lame, giving the, the blind sight, giving the deaf hearing. There was, there's no random miracles. All miracles are designed to reveal God's purpose and God's character. So Jesus' birth uh, is no different. Jesus' birth is the beginning of the fulfillment of God's promise to be with us and to save us. When we, as we looked at Matthew one twenty one, it says, she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So who needs to be saved is the question I always run to. So if he's, he's going to, if, if he's, Jesus has, has been given to save his people from his sins, their sins, so, so who needs to be saved? And as we studied Ephesians, it's the first uh, book that we, we did as a church family. As we studied Ephesians, we learned that mankind, meaning everyone, by nature, meaning by birth, are children of wrath. When Adam sinned against God, it created a state of rebellion against creation and creator. It created a rebellion against mankind and God himself. The bottom line is that when Adam sinned, his sin itself affects all of us. And that's a truth that we, we don't like to swallow. That's a truth that we try to step back and it kind of pushes up against us. And you, you mean, way back in the very beginning, the, the first couple that, that started all this off, their mess up and their sin affects me now today? And that, that's, a, that's a truth that, that, that brushes up against our own 
rebellion. That's, that's what I want to see this morning. Because that doesn't sit well with us, that's evidence that we're living in a state of rebellion. We don't want anybody to tell us what we need to do. We want to be our own man. I want to call the shots. I don't want to be subject to anybody else. We want to be our own God. So, that, so the, the point being that that truth doesn't sit well with us, to me, is evidence that we are in rebellion against God himself. So, and, and to pull a verse into this, Romans 5, chapter, chapter 5, verse 12 says, Sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to paint a picture for you to see that it was necessary for Jesus to come to this world in this peculiar way. It was necessary for him to be conceived by the Holy Spirit outside the line of Adam. If Jesus had been born into the human race naturally, he would be an object of wrath as well. The fact that Jesus was sinless was related to not only who his father was, the Holy Spirit, which we've been walking out, but it's also related to his father, who his father wasn't, and that was Joseph himself. This is not an incidental point. Our salvation actually depends on it. In order to serve as a sacrifice for our sin, the Lord Jesus had to be fully, fully human, and the Jesus had to be entirely sinless. Thus, the necessity of this miraculous conception, this birth through the, Holy, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and just so I can connect everything together, it begins with the virgin birth, but it, it certainly doesn't end there. Um, there's a direct link between Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and resurrection. Just like these pillars up here are linked for Jesus' worship, communion, mission, they all build on each other. This is what it builds on, too, with Jesus in his life when we look at Jesus. It builds, starts with his birth, then we look at his life, we look at his death, and then we look at his resurrection. The spirit who gave life when Mary first conceived is the same spirit that empowered Jesus to live a sinful life, sinless life, sorry, live a sinless life. That would be a bad mistake there. And the spirit that worked powerfully to raise Jesus from the dead, it's the same spirit. So we're talking about his life, we're talking about his birth, his life, and his resurrection is the same spirit that did it all. So the question is, how, how does this apply to, to, to you and me? I mean, how does this, how does this kind of land the plane? How does this affect me personally? That Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit to be sinless, and that sinlessness continued throughout his life so he would be a worthy sacrifice at his death. The bottom line is Jesus is the perfect gift because he was the perfect sacrifice. He was born to pay the penalty of death that we deserve because of our sin. He was born to die. Jesus came not merely to be seen and looked upon as a baby in a manger. What I want us to see this, this, this Advent season, that Jesus came to be believed upon, he, believed, he came to be received, and he came to be followed. He calls all people to look to him alone for forgiveness of sin. He calls all people to look to him alone for eternal life. He calls all people to look to him only to be with peace with God. 
And as I close this this morning, I want to close and read a quote from Dr. Al Mohler. When he was asked, can a, can a Christian, a true Christian, deny the virgin birth? This was his response. He says, the answer to that question must be no. Christians must face the fact that a denial of the virgin birth is a denial of Jesus as Christ. The Savior who died for our sins was none other than the baby who was conceived of the Holy Spirit and born of a virgin. The virgin birth does not stand alone by itself as a biblical doctrine, but it is an irreducible part is tangled into the biblical revelation about the person and work of Jesus Christ. With it, the gospel stands or falls. So it made me start thinking, what, what's, the difference, what's the difference between just a good gift and a perfect gift? The perfect gift to me meets not only a desire, but also a need. And so what I want to leave us with this morning as we go out and continue in the Advent season is to see that this community is searching for purpose and meaning. They have a desire. They desire to be part of something greater. Many will even put all their, their, their desire and their hopes for this season right into this season, into the upcoming meals with family, into finding that perfect gift to give somebody. They're going to put it all in there. That's where they're going to put all their hope into this just time frame of season. And so after the presents are opened and after we gain five pounds from all the meals that we've had, the only thing that's going to be left in January is going to be disappointment. If that's what they're searching for, if that's what they got their hope and their desire in. So my, my charge to you this morning is, will, will you show them that without Christ, that they will, they will continue to long, that they, what they desire and what they truly need is the perfect gift of Jesus Christ. And, and to know that, that he never disappoints. I mean, that's, that's the beauty in it, is when we as believers find what, what never disappoints, we should, we should be willing to share that perfect gift. And the follow-up on that, we talk about a desire, but we also know the great need that those without Christ in this community are sending under the pending wrath of God. They need a Savior to save them from their sins. Matthew 1, 21. Will you tell them about the, the baby in the manger that they see on the postcards and all the commercials, that he grows up to die on a cross, that he grows up to die on a cross to save them from their sins? So if you're a believer here today, you have the perfect gift. There's no, there's no need to look around and go out at 6 o'clock when the store's open or 3 in the morning or whatever time that you kicked off Black Friday. You have the perfect gift. I would ask you this, this week to look for somebody to share that gift with. Let me pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I thank you for this, this sweet time of year for us to sit and reflect on you coming, that should awe us, Lord, that you would come on, from on high to enter into humanity um, to save us, Lord. Lord, that you, you, you did grow up and that you did live a sinless life and that you did obey the will of your Father by going to a cross when we were still sinners, that you died for us. And Lord, let us, let us sit this morning in awe of that truth 
and, and a thankfulness of what you have done. And Lord, let us, let us not be lulled by the festivities that we're involved in, just lulled asleep, the upcoming gatherings. Lord, show, give us eternal lenses. Lord, show us that what we have is a gift that, that, that should be given, that should be shared. That people are longing for something. And may we develop relationships. May we walk beside people that are struggling. Lord, you have done so much for us. Lord, give us a desire to, to speak uh, the truth of who you are, Jesus, the real Jesus. The baby that, that came not just to be gazed upon and to be looked at from afar, Lord, but uh, uh, you came to be our, our Savior, someone we can, we can hold on to that, that, that saves us from our sins. Lord, I pray that as we continue to worship you this morning, that you would, you would sink these truths deep into our heart and give us a desire to share with those that you put in our circle. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Doxa Church. We are so glad that you took the time to join us today. At Doxa, we exist to make disciples who joyfully worship Jesus with their whole lives. We invite you to join us. Doxa Church meets at 10 a.m. every Sunday at River Oaks Elementary School. For more information about Doxa Church, please visit us online at www.doxachurch.org.